Good morning, church. Would you stand as we sing this morning to our Savior? I hope you're excited to be here. I hope your allergies allow you to sing. Mine are kind of challenging me, but we're going to sing to the Lord and make a joyful noise at the least. Blessed be your name.
the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. I want to read a couple of verses that we studied in our Committed Life class today. We're reading a book called The Peacemaker, and uh, I've been sharing some of my victories and failures in trying to be a peacemaker, and uh, these verses were, were very instrumental in our uh, discussion this morning and, and throughout this week uh, in different situations that I've dealt with says, uh, this is Philippians uh, 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Uh, in every situation that we find ourselves, 
no matter how bad or bleak it may be, we can always find a reason to rejoice in the Lord. Uh, if you're struggling with that, let me remind you of what we celebrated last Sunday. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is always something to rejoice in because he bought us back with his precious blood for those of us who are saved. And let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Uh, when we're in the midst of a conflict, it can be very easy to be rude, be uh, difficult, um, try and push and shove to get your way. But the Lord calls on us to be gentle. It doesn't mean you can't be firm, but it does mean we need to glorify God. And uh, remember, the Lord is at hand. He's watching. He's always watching. He wants us to be good stewards with everything he's entrusted to us, including our finances. So as we give this morning, let's let our, our gentleness and our testimony in Jesus Christ be known to all through spreading the gospel. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. As we prepare to collect this offering, I pray that you will use it to meet the needs here at Cross Point. Lord, we have several needs, several things that we need in order to facilitate the gospel going forth. We pray that you'll continue to provide for us as you always have done faithfully. Help us to be good stewards with what you've entrusted to us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Very good words from Commander Brad this morning as it, <clears throat> I don't think he knew it was going to segue this way as I bring up our first topic this morning. <clears throat> God has always provided for Cross Point Baptist Church. Amen? Amen. We've lived that. We've felt it. We've uh, experienced it. We have got to celebrate in, in times past, and even those watching on Facebook could testify to that very point. Last week, I, uh, I, I was curious to why everybody left so quick after service. I mean, it's Easter. Usually, there's, there's, uh, we have a celebration, and then there's pictures. People hang around for pictures. I noticed last week, everybody left pretty quickly in a timely manner. I'm thinking, well... Them heathens are late for their ham dinner or whatever was going on. I did not, was fully aware that our plumbing uh, had went out or was in, in, in jeopardy last week. And it didn't go out, it was in jeopardy last week. So now I understand why everybody exited a little quicker than, uh, than, than typical. So we had a plumbing issue last week, and as is the case, um, when things like this arise, I share with the church. So I'm more speaking to the church members right now, uh, but uh, to anyone that's listening as well, um, the guests and visitors to Cross Point Baptist Church, you are our guest. We uh, don't put this plea out to, or, or area of concern out to our guests. If you come to my house, you're going to be treated as a guest. You're at Cross Point, treated as a guest. But to the members, this is God's house that we get to manage. And so last week, our, we had issue with our plumbing. Uh, I had a company come out, and I was with them uh, Tuesday as we have a septic with grinder pumps. One of our grinder pumps, we have two grinder pumps in there. One of them went out, and um, the other one didn't kick on. So what I'm sharing the information, I'm sharing direct I'm sharing quick, and I'm giving you the number. I'm doing all these things very quickly. I'm not putting any precursors in there about how this is outside the budget. 
uh, and um, uh, how we seldom talk about money. That one pump costs $4,000. So we uh, are right now, we are, we are plumbing is working, but it is working off of one pump. We need to get that second pump in place as quick as we can. So I'm letting the church know. Uh, again, it's outside of our budget of, uh, for maintenance. So we need to raise the $4,000 rather quickly. There's more news that goes with that. And I'll probably be sharing this in greater detail next week. But as we're learning about this pump and I'm talking with the company, the other pump is also, well, 17 years old now. But the one is 4000 that we're looking for right now. So the other one is older. But also our board that runs the, the whole system is outdated and obsolete even though we put it in in 2007. It is outdated and obsolete, and that is north of $7,000, $6,700. So that is the information I wanted you to hear. Let it digest a little bit, and then we'll be talking about this more and more. So again, we need uh, to raise $4,000 rather quickly to make sure that we uh, are able to function and uh, not be distracted with uh, things like plumbing, like electric, like maintenance and all these other areas. I want to be a church. I, I wasn't put on this earth to be a maintenance man. That's why Tom Burdett is on this earth. A believing maintenance man. But we have a bigger call than to maintain buildings. We have a bigger purpose than to, to use people and build, build bigger things. We want to use things and build people. Which leads us to our text today of John 21. You can be turning there as I finish that topic. John 21, you can be turning to. As we talk about this building and things happen, and I've had to uh, have checked my own heart on, on God's, why does God do what he does in the way he does? And I've had to pursue my own heart's desire on uh, yet another thing has happened, another distraction. This is not what I want. How am I going to lead? And that's where Commander Brad, I keep calling him Commander Brad, but I could call him Deacon Brad. Uh, his words are so poignant this morning for me personally, but also for us as a church. God's got our back, right? He has always worked on behalf of Cross Point Baptist Church. And I've been, I, I rarely get nervous because it does no good to get nervous. I rarely panic. But I don't know how he's going to work and provide. That's called faith. It's also called, in hindsight, fun to watch God work. It's not fun in the moment, per se, but to watch him work. So, Again, we have things that are coming up. You're going to be hearing about them. This is outside the budget. But ultimately, the biggest thing that we need to be doing as a church body, as his children, is to be praying. It's to be praying. I'm not even going to be saying pray to see what the Lord would have you to do. That's between you and him. But just pray that he would take care of our church the way that he always has. It's amazing to me that he hasn't given up on us. That's only his grace. 
And it's only his uh, protective, providential hand upon our church. Amen? John 21, we are one week away from Easter. It seemed like it was a long time ago on one hand, uh, but last week we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I, I wrote this portion of Scripture down uh, three weeks ago, I think. Three weeks ago I wrote it down to preach this portion of Scripture on this day on purpose. As we continue our theme and our thought throughout the year of gospel conversations. I, I received a beautiful text this week from somebody who said they went on and, and told how this happened in this person's life that's related to them. This happened in this person's life that's related to them. And they went on and on about how God has moved in their life. And the text ended by saying their names were the names that I wrote on this card. Not salvation per se yet. But what's our theme? Gospel conversations. That was so encouraged me. The way that ended, the way that text ended with those names were the, the, the initials that I wrote on these cards. We haven't forgot about these cards. And as we move forward in gospel conversations, 53 Sundays this year, every Sunday you're going to be hearing that term and it's going to be show up somewhere, whether it be a Life Point Bible study group or from the pulpit. You're going to be hearing about it because we need to be sharing because if you don't, who will? Who are you going to wait on? Who are you going to wait on to have that gospel conversation, that life-changing conversation? life-transforming, life-renewing conversation with your children, with your grandchildren, with your worker or your neighbor, with your spouse. You waiting on somebody else to do it? Of course, we don't want to be obnoxious with the gospel. We don't want to be forceful. But it's amazing if you'll pray. It's amazing if you'll prepare and watch how these conversations can just happen. And sometimes you need to initiate them. We're, that's the next phase of what we want to do in the next quarter as we consider gospel conversations. John 21 is interesting because now we see Jesus in his post-resurrection ministry. We don't know a lot about, uh, 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 about heaven. We, I mean, the, the Bible gives us some stuff, but we don't know a lot about it. But one of the questions that comes up uh, all the time for me is, what do we know about what will heaven be like? What will our bodies be like? What will on and on? Uh, as we study in, on Wednesday nights in Revelation, we're, we're going to be getting to chapters 20, 21, 22. And he's going to start talking about heaven, the eternal state. Man, we're going to park on it. We're going to park on it. I love when we get to focus in on what the Bible says about heaven because that is our destiny as a believer. It's our home and it's forever. You people don't look like you believe it. You believe it's gospel stuff. We get a new home. We get a new body. We, we, it's beyond what can be described. John is stretching his vocabulary at the end of Revelation to try to get us there in a word picture of what heaven will be like. Why am I sharing John 21? Two reasons. But one thing I want us to consider right now is Jesus in his post-resurrection body. So he's on the earth, and you'll see that this is the third time that John records that he appeared to the disciples after he rose from the dead. 
Okay, so what do we, what am I, why are we sharing this? One reason is this. I want you to consider this. Here is Christ on the earth in his post-resurrected body. That gives us a glimpse of what potentially heaven would be like for us in our bodies. Now, not the eternal state, but our, if we were to pass today, if we were to step off this earth today, what would it be like? Well, we don't know a ton, but we do know, and we kind of glimpse and look at Christ. What do we know about Christ? They were able to touch him. Tangible. Tangible. You're going to see in a moment that he actually ate, ate food. And I'm convinced it wasn't, well, you're going to see it. It's not for the nourishment of it is why he ate it. You're going to see why in a moment. I think when we get to heaven, we get to eat food for the pleasure of it. Isn't that great? I'm going to go ahead and share it. I share with Steadfast Life and Faithful Life uh, two, Tuesday night when we had our uh, Awana did their uh, fundraiser at Texas Roadhouse. I had a cupcake before I went in to eat dinner at Texas Roadhouse. Who does that? They were selling the baked goods, couldn't resist. I had a cupcake. I had four rolls with, with the cinnamon butter on it. Four, y'all. That was pleasure. Later it was pain, but it was pleasure in the moment. We see Christ in his resurrected body. He was tangible, okay? These, these are hopeful things for us to consider. And, and prior to that, in chapter 20, we see him actually showing up with no doors needed, okay? Why are we sharing this? I want you to keep Christ in his post-resurrected body as a backdrop as we consider John 21 today. John 21, I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. And I'm going to try not to stop and preach in the middle. Let me read it first. After these things, verse 1 says, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter and Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two others of his disciples were together. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to him, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had, had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the other side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, <clears throat> It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Verse 9, Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you, which you have, which you just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153 and although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dare ask, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus said, Jesus, 
Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. As we consider John 21, and, there's, and by the way, if you're a note taker today, there's no outline. It's just scripture. You grab what you got to grab and hang on for the ride. When we see in verse 1, it says, after these things. I love doing this to you. After what things? Flip back in verse 20 and just, just uh, I'm sorry, chapter 20. Flip back a page to chapter 20 and you won't be able to do it on the screen. But if you have a hard copy Bible, it'll have some subheadings. I love doing this. Chapter 20 starts with the empty tomb. After these things. After the empty tomb. Verse 11, Mary Magdalene sees the risen Lord. So after the risen tomb, after she has witnessed, the next subheading is the apostles are commissioned. After these, a lot of things are happening in big fashion in just a little bit of time. Big fashion. And verse 24, seeing and believing. Notice it didn't say seeing is believing, seeing and believing. Thomas, that's a, that's a dialogue there with Thomas who had to see to believe and and then in verse 30, that you may believe. So after those things is what's referred to there. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself. Verse 2, where it says Simon Peter. Notice how his name is first there. Simon Peter, <clears throat> again listed first, showing his leadership. Peter was whether they took a vote or not he was the leader you know now you know you think of alpha he's the alpha or he's the, that personality i can't remember the types that well but he's that the first he's going to be the most vocal peter is the leader now that's good and bad that has a good side to it and it has a bad side to it doesn't it but i want you to consider this why are they in Galilee? Why are they even there? Why are they at the Sea of Tiberias? Why are they at the Sea of Galilee? Keep your finger there in John. Go to Matthew 28, 16. Go to Matthew 28. Oh, this is important. Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. So why did they go there? Because that's where Jesus wanted them. It's important to be who Christ wants you to be, to do what he wants you to do. Had they not followed and obeyed, some might have missed this divine appointment. I'm firmly convinced that for the believer and anyone abroad, that God has divine appointments. Don't miss them. Don't break them. This isn't an appointment a lot of times we'll do where if something, like we may have a doctor's appointment or something, but something better comes along and we find a reason to, you know, you can always find a reason to do something or you can always find a reason not to do something. I'm really good at that. Carla reminded me that just the other day. She says, I can tell by the way you're dressed, you're going golfing. I said, well, come on. She goes, I can tell by the way you're dressed. She said, you'll find a way. That was her answer when I said I couldn't. You'll find a way. Guess what I did that day? 
I went golfing. We can always find a reason or a way to do what we want to do. We can find a way to get out of things. A lot of times when we have a divine appointment with God, sometimes we miss them because we something better came along. Make a divine appointment to meet with him every day and then don't break it. It's an appointment. Well, he says go there. It behooves them to go there. Why? Because some might have missed what is fixing to happen. You don't want to miss when God is moving. You don't want to miss when Christ is moving. And I, can I tell you another little sidebar here? I know it's small and in some regard. It's big on another regard. I heard the gasp when I mentioned the price of that grinder pump. But it's yet another opportunity where we get to see God move. Be careful you don't live your life, Christian, with blinders. You've got to be able to see what God is up to. We walk by faith, not by sight. All right, so they're in Galilee because that's where Jesus told them to go. I want you here. Go there. All right, now they went where he wanted them to go. Watch how this unfolds. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Verse 3, why would they go fishing? Well, there's some options here. There's a little, we're going to give a lot of, a little bit of wiggle room here. One, it's their livelihood. What else do I do? I mean, he said go there. We don't know, I guess we could figure it out, but how much time lapsed between when he said go to Galilee to where they are right now? I don't know. But they were fishing at night. Uh, it, it was their livelihood, so it kind of makes sense that they would fish. Perhaps they were killing time, waiting for Jesus to show up. Perhaps. Don't know. I got a third option. Maybe they were hungry. Just a thought. Um, so they went fishing, and Peter's the leader, and what do the other guys say? We're going with you. Look in verse 4. They, and by the way, they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now, I'm going to beat them up here for a minute, and then we're going to back off of them. They had just walked with Jesus for three years. They have seen and heard. They've seen the miracles. They've heard him speak like nobody's ever spoke before. Words of truth, words of life with authority. They bailed on him when he was on the cross. They had just seen him in part a little earlier here in chapter 20. Now it's nighttime. He's there on the shore. In verse 4, but when the morning had now come, Jesus, he's standing there, and they did not know it was him. Let's talk about some possibilities. Why did they not know? Now, in our minds, we're going to say they should have known. They should have known. Especially when he does the next thing. Why could they not have known? Well, it was night, or the morning was coming up. could have been dark. When morning had come, perhaps daybreak. We'll give them that one. Jesus kept himself from them. There's another thought. He had done that in the past. We see it in Luke 20. We see it in Luke 24 as well, where he's reserved them seeing him. But look at verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. Now, something just happened there. Now, maybe they couldn't see. Their one sense may have been uh, 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 diminished. But they definitely heard. 
Now, they would know that voice. Remember when he said, my sheep hear my voice and my sheep know my voice? It's amazing what a tone can do. Uh, I ran into a guy the other day and I was like, hey, is that you? He's like, I thought I recognized that voice. And I said, you mean hillbilly? He's like, yep. Just the tone, just the way a voice sounds, we can sometimes know. They had been with Jesus for three years, pretty close, and they heard the voice. Hey, children, even the terminology, children, have you any food? We, there's some speculation on, on why he said that line. Um, could they have been thinking that he's offering to buy some fish? Remember, they didn't know who he was, but the tone. But look in verse 6. Let's get to the nuts and bolts of this thing. And he said to them, cast a net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Question. They don't recognize him by sight. They didn't recognize necessarily by hearing. Why would they listen and follow what this guy said to do? Why would they do that? He tells them exactly what to do in verse 6. Throw your net on the other side. They were experienced fishermen. They were in the family biz, right? It's what they do. Uh, There's certain things that I uh, don't tell people what to do. They are better at it than I. I would never tell Mike Thompson how to play a guitar. There's other things like that. You, you stay in your lane sometimes. And these guys are experienced fishermen. They knew what to do. And it says in verse 6 where he, he simply tells them what to do. And they cast. And now, we're, now since they did it, just to, listen, they went from here to there. That's all they did. How in the world was all those fish kept at bay under the boat? But they were. They cast on the other side. They follow through and they listen to what he says to do. And then look in verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, we know that if you're experienced in the Bible, if you've read it at all in the book of John especially, John, the author, doesn't refer to himself as John. He doesn't use the personal pronoun I that much either. He uses the terminology, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So anytime you read that in the book of John... That is referring to, John's referring to himself. So John gets a that a boy right here. Because therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. John recognized by sight, by sound, by obedience, whatever. He recognized who he was. John knew. Peter didn't. Now, this is getting to the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, and Peter still can't know when it's Jesus. This is where we, man, we have this relationship with Peter as students of the Bible that's kind of like, how is he not getting it? And we couple that with his personality, and then other times we'll see him hitting it out of the park. So this is the part where we kind of beat him up a little bit. He's been with him side by side for three years. You know, if you hang out with somebody long enough, you start to pick up their mannerisms, don't you? You start to pick it up. The way they talk, their, uh, maybe the way they carry themselves or move. I noticed, uh, it wasn't all that long ago, that um, I was standing a certain way and I looked over and Aaron was standing the exact same way as I was. 
And I'm like, do I look like that? That's bad. <laughs> but you hang around somebody long enough and you pick up, you pick mannerisms up. Three years side by side. Peter is kind of not getting it here. We're still not at the apex of what I want to share about gospel conversations. Look in the back part of verse 7. Therefore, the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is not, this is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. John recognized Jesus, but Peter acted. See the difference? Peter acted. Now he gets to that a boy. He did good again. Peter acted. He has so much zeal. Now, now, did you catch the end of verse 7, what he did there? What did he do? He jumped in the sea. But what did he do before he jumped in? He put on an outer garment. Now, in, in my way of thinking, you want less clothes in the water when you're going to swim, not more. But he puts on the outer garment. And that was eating me up. Eating me up. Like, why did he do that? So I went to studying on it. And this is, sounds peculiar to our culture. But um, most likely, it was in the middle of the night, could have been hot, but they were known to work pretty much stripped down. And this outer garment, the Greek word for it goes so far as to say it's the first layer that they put on. So he was putting on as he went in. And then I'm going, okay, but still, why? Why? The conclusion would be he knows now it's Christ and he wants to look presentable and take his stuff. He's taking it. Then I thought, well, why didn't he just carry it? You ever try to swim holding a towel? That ain't going to work. And I said, well, in that context, it makes sense. But to me, I'm thinking, I don't know. Why would you put on garment to jump in? And I got the answer. It's his zeal. He is zealous for the Lord. When he messes up, he messes up big. But when he's following Christ, he's following him big. Big time. He puts on this outer garment at the end of verse 7. And what a passion, what a love. He can't wait to get to Jesus, his Christ, his Savior, whom is now resurrected. He can't wait to get to him. You're going to see something interesting happen in a moment as well. Verse 8 picks up. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. So the other disciples, he jumps in, puts on the, 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 the layer, jumps in. The others are in a smaller boat. Why the smaller boat? Well, it could have been shallow water. They had to get, you know how it works, a dinghy, I guess it would be, getting to the shore. The other guys jump in. 200 cubits is about 300 feet. To give you an idea of how far 300 feet is, this building is 100 feet long from Back, not this wall, but our outside back wall. Exterior wall back, exterior wall front is about 100 feet. In case you want to be impressed, our building is 110 feet wide. You may think, Pastor Scott, you sound like you know what you're talking about. I just happen to know how to read a drawing. I saw it when they were building the building. And it stood out to me. Picture this length three times. Um, who just jumped in with the outer garment was going to swim to Jesus? 300 feet is how far he was going to swim. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know how you are at swimming. Uh, I, can, I can get around pretty good. I can't swim 300 feet with a layer on. 
This building three times is 200 cubits. Peter jumps in and he's swimming and the other guys are, are rowing along. I once tried to swim, and it was not very far at all, across the lake. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, we're not touching, but it's okay. And I, I got a midway, and I got a little panicky. I got a lot panicky. And you want to talk about when you face your fears. And I had a friend with me, and I was like, dude, I, I, don't, I don't think I can make it. And he's like, you're on your own. He was, he was struggling too. I don't know how we made it back. We, I mean, we were muddy. We crawled up that pond, and, got, and we were, I thought we were we're going to die that day. 300 feet, Peter jumps in. Well, the other guys come. They're dragging the fish. And remember, by the way, they're dragging the fish. Uh, how did it say that there was a, uh, they were not able to draw it because of the multitude of fish at the end of verse 6? They were struggling to draw it in. And now they're struggling. They're, they're getting it in, pulling it apparently somehow on a, a, a smaller boat. Did they get them inside? I don't, I don't know how it worked. But now they're, they're dragging this. And remember, there's no motors. How are they getting it back? I could maybe row for 300 feet with some other dudes, but I'm going to need a couple breaks. I'm just saying. They drug this back. What's that say about those disciples and apostles? That they had zeal too. They knew it was him. They had zeal. Plus they had their catch. So they were going back. Verse 9. Still not at the apex of what we want to share about gospel conversation. Verse 9. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw there were fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. In verse 9, uh, quick question. There was a fire, there was coals, there was fish laid on it. Where did that fish come from? They're not there with the catch yet. Christ is there at the fire and there's fish. Did he catch the fish? Or did he just, there it is. He's in his resurrected body. He can do whatever he wants at any time he wants to do it. And I'm going to throw another catch out there. A catch. See what I did there? A catch. I like fish. I love it. Salmon. Mm, mm, mm. I am hungry right now, too. Love me some salmon. Tilapia. We've had white bass from the Sandusky River cooked just right. The way Mama makes it with that butter on the top. Mm. I love it. But Jesus made this fish. How do you think that tastes? I bet it wasn't charred. I bet it wasn't overcooked. I bet it didn't have bones in it. I don't know. It had to be the best tasting fish ever cooked, prepared and ate on planet Earth. There is Christ in verse 9. As soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Where'd the bread come from? We've seen him do this work before, haven't we? Verse 10. Um, oh, by the way, uh, even though this breakfast is there, and you don't think of fish and bread for breakfast, but when you work a third shift, it, it doesn't matter when breakfast is, does it? Which, I'll put this plug in, you can eat Waffle House anytime, people. It don't have to be for breakfast. Somebody's missing. Did you, do you see who's missing? Peter. Peter's swimming. The other guys show up with fish. They see the fire. They see the fish. They see the bread. They see Jesus. Where's Peter? Could it be that they got there faster than Peter? We don't know. He's not mentioned at this point. 
But he did just attempt to swim 300 feet with a cloak on. But look at verse 10. Jesus said to them, now he's speaking, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Bring some of that fish. For what purpose? Look in verse 11. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net. Now Peter's on the scene. We know he's here now. And to drag or help drag the net to the land full of large fish, not small fish, but full, mature, plump fish. What's the number? 153. Why would Jesus say he's got the fire, he's got the fish, he's got the bread? We've seen him do it with the loaves and the fish in the past. He can make it keep happening. He can turn it into a buffet real quick. It can keep coming and coming. But he says, bring those fish. I think it's for this reason, to count them. 153. Why would he count the fish? I don't know that he counted them. I don't know that they counted them. All we know is that John recorded it. Somebody counted it. Or the Holy Spirit inspired. Holy, that number is in here on purpose. 153 fish. Here's another possible reason to eat of their labor. Notice that Jesus said some of the fish, or, or the better translation is bring some of the fish. But here it says bring the fish of which you just caught in verse 10. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up dragging the net. There's the leader again. Here is the apex of what I want to share with you today as it relates to gospel conversations. It has to do with the number, 153. 153. Why the exact number? Why doesn't the scripture just say there is a multitude of fish? Or there, there's about a north of 150. 153. Why that number? Scholars think that that was the number of known languages in the world at that time. Scholars think that was the number of known dialects or languages at the time. The number of types of fish in the sea at that time was 153 as well. What's the point? What did Jesus come three years ago? He came to his disciples to make a promise. And he said, if you will follow me, I want you to repeat after me. If you will follow me, I will make you fishers of. Oh, you didn't say that with any passion. He's bringing this thing full circle. I will make you fishers of men, women, boys and girls. I want to use you as flawed as you are. I'm going to make you fishers of men. So let me shake that tree again. 153 Fish. They were fisher men. I will make you fishers of men. The number of known languages in the world they project, the number of types of fish in the sea, just so happen to coincide. Does God know what he's doing? He's got this thing. He knows his wisdom and his knowledge. Is, is We can't even comprehend it beyond try to match it. We can't even comprehend it. Matthew 4, 19 is where we see, he says, I will make you fishers of men. I will make you soul winners. I will make you share. I want to show you how to share my life with other people so that they too may have eternal life. This is imagery of souls is the word picture here to be saved. Every nation, every tribe. 
Couple that with what we studied on Wednesday night in Revelation chapter 18. There's somebody else that is going to attempt to and succeed control every nation, every king, and every tribe. It's the beast and the Antichrist. We saw that really clear in Revelation 17 and 18. There, there's a false, there's going to be a false religion that every, and I think a lot of Christian in name churches are going to fall right in line with. I really do believe that. Now, the genuine believer is going to be raptured out, but there is going to be a deception. And those were exact terminology of Revelation 17 and 18. Every nation and every tongue and every tribe, a segment will be pulled away by the beast, the Antichrist, and so forth. So where we are in a battle, we recognize that. And by the way, the very next chapter we're coming up on in Revelation, Jesus is coming back on the white horse. He's coming back. But right now, 2023, every nation, every tribe, every people group need Jesus Christ. But the battle, the battle, no matter where you're sitting today on Facebook or sitting right here, no matter where you're sitting, the battle is that somebody else wants every nation, tribe, and people group as well. We look in verse 11 and it says, the net was not broken. That's how verse 11 ends. The net was not broken. They were amazed. Doing his work can be laborious. Amen? It can be laborious. It can be uh, not boring, laborious. It means you may have to sweat sometimes in order to be in his ministry. Oh, yeah, by the way, serving him, you don't always get paid either. I remember a guy once said, they, they were trying to get him to go on a missions trip. He's a, he's a believer, part of a church. And he goes, yeah, I'll go. What's that? So, like, what's that pay? They were going to Haiti. He's like, what's that pay? And they're like, no, 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 you don't. You're going to pay. You're going to pay to go to Haiti. And he couldn't believe it. He was young in his walk. He couldn't believe it. He's like, you want me to miss work, not get paid, and then take what I don't get paid and send? And are you kidding me? He ended up going radically change his life because there was something in the moment he could only see himself in Haiti he saw God and beyond or, or God and in his work doing his work can be laborious look at what these guys did they just followed what he said to do go to Galilee they went bring that fish here they come work doing his work his way we aren't without resources and strength though we are not lost. He also shows that he will provide for his disciples as promised. He will provide. Where he promised, he will provide. Uh, Romans something about Abraham says that very verse. He will always provide what, for where he promises. He, we see it in Philippians 4. We see it in Matthew 6 as well. Large fish, it says in verse 11. Come and eat breakfast. Look in verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of his disciples dare ask, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. What a 180 from the first half of chapter 21. They didn't know him. Even Peter didn't know him. Didn't have a clue. And now nobody dare ask. They all knew. Come and eat. 
You know, it, you may think, well, did, did Jesus eat? I'm going to show you something in a minute. Again, it's another pretty cool part of the apex. Come and eat, yet none of them dare ask, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? I'm going to answer that question in a moment. Did Jesus eat? But think about this. Knowing that it was him is vitally important. Vitally important to their next step. See, they don't know what's fixing. They don't know that he's about to ascend. At least they don't fully embrace it yet. He's not too many days and weeks away from ascending to the Father. They're getting ready to do this thing, be fishers of men, without him. Perhaps right now they're thinking, yeah, yeah, we'll, be, we'll do it with you. He's getting ready to be gone. Oh, by the way, he said, I got to go so he can come. Talking about the Holy Spirit. I got to go so he can come. That's, we'll share that later. But consider this. Did Jesus eat the food? Glorified body, would he have to? Turn with me to Acts 10.41. Why go through all of this? Why is Jesus Christ having him go through all of it? Can't he just tell them and then they'll get it and we, can, we get it? Why go through all this uh, work and the sweat and in the, in the nighttime using all of our senses? Why would they do that? Acts 10.41 the disciples, Peter is, uh, yeah, Peter's speaking here. 1041, look in verse 40. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. So he's saying, he raised him on the third day. You've heard the buzz. We've seen him. Other people have seen him. In fact, 1 Corinthians says 500 people saw him at one time. Look in verse 41. Not to all people... But witnesses chosen before by God, look, watch, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Why did he have that fishy breakfast? Why did he cause them to see, to hear, to taste? Why? For this moment right here. Listen, you can be a witness and hear about something second-hand or third-hand, but when you're the, the, the primary witness, you, it's hard to not convince somebody of what they saw, what they tasted, what they seen, what they felt. That's a primary witness. In fact, history tells us that these guys died a martyr's death. I think that eating the breakfast and all this sovereign planning that happened and all that went into it was for that moment right there so that they would have a genuine legitimate testimony to share with other people you know it's it's more than uh saying let me tell you about jesus christ oh no no i i i ate with him i broke bread i broke he made it then i ate it <laughs> we, we let me i can tell you about jesus christ i saw i heard i felt i touched Christ showed himself alive by eating. He showed himself alive. Unlike me, when I eat four rolls and a steak, I look like I'm dead. I have to go lay on the couch. He handled the food that they were eating. He cooked it. Are you catching all this? They're seeing, they're hearing, they're taking. He handled it. He, Peter has the ability to say, he cooked my breakfast. He, he did all this. Showing that he was alive. Look at verse, let's go back to 
or John 21. Look in verse 13. Jesus then came, took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. He served them. He handed it to them. He didn't say, here, come and get it. He didn't ring the dinner bell. This is telling us he served in verse 13. But you know what's most interesting for me is that this is not a feast for a king, but, but it's a humble dinner. He deserves a feast for a king, but it's a humble dinner as well. And then verse 14 says, this, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the third time is what John points out in this book, I should say, in this book. So here's our application for today as we start to move to our next phase of gospel conversation. We took the first quarter and we, we got it introduced. We got it going. We got it thinking. But I want to tell you about how gospel conversations can happen. They can happen at the most unexpected time. You have to be ready. And even when, you, when they happen, you're going to feel like you're not ready. But that's okay. This week, a person, uh, I'm not the extremely crunch and paraphrase this, but they came to me with some serious doubts and questions about God. I wasn't panicked, but they had a, a little bit of an edge about them as well. A pretty good edge about them as well. And they're talking about calling out to God and reaching out to God, and he's not delivering. He's not delivering. And as I'm listening, and it's important to listen, it's important to earn the right to be heard. And I realized, and I asked this person, you know, you're calling out to God, but can I ask you this? Have you ever called out to Jesus Christ? Because he's our connection to God. I literally said, this is a gospel conversation right here. John 14, 6. Jesus is the, said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man, woman, or boy, or girl can come to God except through him. And the conversation, it wasn't long. It was very short. I said, if you'll do this, if you'll allow me to pray for you, I'll do it. I promise you I'll do it. If you'll take what I just shared with you, that John 14, 6, and think about it throughout the week. We got a deal? We had a deal. That's an introduction to a gospel conversation. I didn't know it was going to happen like that. I, I didn't know. But there it was. A point is, he said, I'll make you fishers of men. You can't fabricate perfect moments and, 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 and set up scenarios or even use apologetic traps. You know, use certain wordings to trap people. People are hurting out there. They just want to know what's true and what's right. And if we can share Christ... He's making them fishers of men, and he gave them this example two times, three object lessons in one right here, for them to experience him so they knew that they could be the best witness for him. Now, that's our share for the Christian, for those that are here that may not know Christ like that or watching on Facebook. Hopefully you're thinking, I want to do that, I want to do that. Oh, wait, I'm not, I'm not in that. I'm not in that right relationship you're talking about. Let's have that gospel conversation. Let's bow for prayer. Can we do that for a moment? This morning we're not 
having an imitation by way of music or singing or anything like that. <clears throat> we always like to share that invitations are not about a time frame. They're not about lighting and they're not about music. Them are just a means, an avenue for you to come and do business with God. Ultimately, if you can't, if you struggle to do business with God when the lights are on, them and the lights aren't going to help much. And if you need music to set the mood, it may be an emotional ploy rather than a cognitive one. I hope that today, through the reading of the word, you would have been challenged but, and encouraged as well. Maybe even convicted. Dear Lord, take this time and make it your own. You have heard our heart today as our need here at Cross Point Baptist Church. So grateful for a loving body that knows how to take care of your house. But today we want to honor you through the reading of your word. I pray that you would work in our hearts. Let the excitement of what we've learned and see today be contagious and, and be shared. But also for those that, that need to take that step of faith, bring them to you. Have them to bring that step closer and closer to you. I lift this prayer in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we are dismissed, I wanted to share uh, one, only one announcement. Our calendar is filling up really quick. It's happening very fast. Yesterday, we had a, a first men's fellowship. Um, I wanted to put uh, a little bit of a plug in here. If you're a YouTuber, not if you are a YouTuber, but if you watch YouTube, watch the YouTube. Um, there is a little segments out there called I Am Second. Who's ever heard of them called I Am Second? All right, you know what I'm talking about? And they are uh, the one that I shared. There was three eight-minute episodes. Boom, 24 minutes, three eight-minute episodes. Um, they, are, I think, are another good resource. Now, I haven't seen them all, but the ones that I have watched are really good resources for your Christian walk as it relates to Real live people in 2023 looking to see what he, what he, what he has done in their life. So I want to put a plug out for I Am Second um, as you're perusing your phones. And then I want to make this announcement. Next Saturday morning, we are having a, a membership class. So, uh, Dan, would you do me a favor and put a sheet out at the back? Just turn over the one. And that sheet will be for uh, a membership class. If you are looking to... See what is membership a class about? What does it mean to be a member? What's it look like? Uh, I would encourage you to sign up at the back next Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. We'll be meeting right here. I'll probably have the, have the donuts that are left over from this week for next. No, I won't. They'll be fresh. But uh, it is a great time to learn who is, what is Crosspoint about? Why do I need to be a member? What's the big deal about membership? All those things uh, we'll cover uh, in part and answer any question that you may have as well. I know that our classes have been very active. Teens went last night and saw a play called Dead Serious. We want to take this time and encourage you to be praying for each other as well. All right, we love you, and uh, you are dismissed.